Good evening, Creepsters. Tonight we have a very special guest, Dr. Paul J. Leslie. Dr. Leslie is an author, educator, and psychotherapist in Akin, South Carolina. His books focus on the areas of psychotherapy, healing, shamanism, and personal development. Paul is presently the coordinator of the Behavioral Sciences program at Atkins Technical College. So with further ado, let's introduce Dr. Leslie. Dr. Leslie, would you like to start off by discussing how this fascinating book came about? Well, it's an interesting story. I uh, moved to uh, South Carolina from uh, Tampa. I had uh, got taken a job in South Carolina, and I never really knew much about the, the state, but I found it uh, to be an interesting uh, place to live, and why well, I thought it was a fairly new resident of the state. I was in a clinical supervision group for other psychotherapists, and what I found uh, was in one of our supervision groups, there was a uh, fellow therapist who had this interesting case where this um, a man she was working with was having this severe anxiety and panic attacks that he attributed to what she stated. He said he had someone who put the root on him. And, you know, I'd never heard of that before, and I asked, mm -hmm. what does that mean? And the root, mm -hmm. according to her, is uh, it's like putting a hex or a curse and a, a form of what she referred to as witchcraft, which uh, later I learned we call hoodoo or conjure down here in the, the Carolinas and Georgia. And uh, she said that he would not uh, believe anything other than someone had put a curse on him, which is why he was having his anxiety and panic, and so I, I uh, kind of recommended, well, if he believes that's the, you know, uh, the reason for it, I don't know if you're going to change his mind, so, you know, if he's unwilling to do anything else, he might have to find somebody who he believes can take the curse away, but uh, it was it was just very intriguing for me, because I'd never heard of this, and to be quite honest, I thought this was just a superstitious, um, you know, case, uh, isolated case. Well, what I found is that the more I started talking to people and hearing things, it's like a whole set of synchronicities opened up. And I started hearing and, and reading and learning more about that there is a very vibrant, um, I guess, uh, spiritual uh, hidden culture in what we call the low country, which is the coastal Carolinas and Georgia, that's uh, you know, kind of descended from uh, the, the uh, spirituality of the African-American uh, slave or the African slaves brought over to uh, America. And uh, it, it was really is a, a fascinating uh, way that they use uh, to, to certainly they could do curses and things like that, but also there is a, a, an element of healing and, and personal development mm -hmm. and personal power that, that's associated with those mm -hmm. kind of things. So uh, that's what really got me. Uh, interested because here's a, a kind of an indigenous belief system and a, a way of uh, magical working that had served these people for many years, and uh, there was just not a known about it. Yeah, it's almost it's very secretive. I feel like it's always been like that, even all the way back to when we had slavery. Uh, I think I remember reading in some book that they would hide their hoodoo books in the Bible. 
and when yeah so it's like it's it's really interesting and and you never hear that any talk about like hoodoo or voodoo on the east coast i live in new york and but I'm, i've always been intrigued by the culture because i'm from the midwest i'm from michigan so it even there they don't really talk about it but if you have like relatives or anyone from down south they know firsthand about it but it's not it's it's very secretive it's like this mystical underlying culture right yeah i think uh, a, a good part of that also too if you think from the social cultural uh, uh time periods i mean in, in slavery times uh, if you were practicing such things it was uh, seen as an affront to the uh the christianity that yes. was that the slaves had to um you know uh, basically succumb to and and uh, to at least pretend that they were involved in and even in the uh, the jim crow era after uh, reconstruction um you know doing those kind of things uh were, were was met with not only just skepticism but uh consider it uh, an evil they were doing the devil's work and those kind of things which in many cases was not even remotely uh the case uh it, it was a way to kind of expand one's ability to heal oneself to gain uh personal power to to seek control over one's life and then, you know, just from the historic perspective of the African-American plight mm-hmm. uh, in the United States as a whole, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of many years of, of uh, fighting for stability in, a, uh, in a, a system at that time that was just oppressive. Mm-hmm. And uh, any means you could do to feel like you had more control over your life, you, you may be more open to. But now, at the same time, if you're practicing this out in the open, uh, you know, particularly during like the Jim Crow era, you, you kind of, it might have been um, uh, particularly uh, harmful to your health because the best you could do in some of the, in the South in particular during the time period is to be invisible to where you don't uh, stick out. Uh, you, you try to be uh, as, as quiet as possible and not be a target. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, publicly saying, you know, I'm doing hoodoo, I'm a hoodoo, practitioner or what we call them down here in the Carolinas, a root worker, uh, a root doctor, uh, that, that might bring a lot of more attention of a negative aspect. It did. It still does. Uh, would you consider hoodoo and voodoo a religion? And if so, it that originated from Africa. So if that was their religion and they brought that over here when they were brought over as slaves and that was taken away from them, it, it's just, it's so traumatizing to think about like now today, like it, for someone to say like, oh, your religion is is evil, you know? It's like mm-hmm. a lot to think right. about. Right. Well, yeah, and what's really kind of surprising is, um, you know, in, even in colonial times in, in the white culture of colonial times, they had what they called witch masters and people like that that were there to protect them from all kinds of, uh, of uh, evil spirits and, and, and evil acts against them. So it, 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 it's, the, the culture had, the white culture had their own magic. Uh, that they didn't talk about, but uh, for some reason, because of uh, 
uh, you know, the, I guess fear of uh, what could happen if uh, mm-hmm. African Americans empower themselves through magical means, you know, that kind of thing was just outlawed. Mm-hmm. It was a means that they, they wouldn't be able to control. And I think since right. you had, so let's say, you had the African hoodoo or voodoo, right? And then you had the the European side of like witchcraft and to separate the two. And then when everyone migrated to the Americas and, and things changed and it was all about Christianity and that whole movement changed a lot of things. So on both sides, whether it was the African side or the European side, like they kept it really quiet. And I, I also think that's why New Orleans is so rich in both of the cultures, the European side and the African side, which is really mm-hmm. cool. So that brings me to ask you, what is the difference between hoodoo and voodoo? Well, essentially, they, they both have a, uh, a common uh, foundation in, in Africa, particularly uh, West Central Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh, voodoo is, uh, you'll find more from uh, out in the Caribbean, particularly like Haiti. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, they were uh, African slaves over in those those regions were primarily owned by the French. Mm-hmm. And the French uh, at the time was a Catholic uh, nation. So uh, what uh, the uh, slaves did is because, you know, they had to attend the Catholic churches and this, again, this religion was pushed on them. They found that many of the spirits uh, from their uh, African uh, inspired uh, spirituality kind of fit some aspects of uh, like the saints in Catholicism. Mm-hmm. So even if they were publicly, you know, pray, praying to saints, uh, later uh, variations of certain like uh, Papa Lagban who is yeah. a, you know, a voodoo deity, mm-hmm. uh, could be uh, projected onto a certain saint because maybe they had similar goals mm-hmm. uh, to assist people. So in that realm, essentially, uh, voodoo is a, uh, fits the um, criteria of a religion mm-hmm. in that the person, even though there's, they have magic spells and these kind of things are certain, uh, ritual that <clears throat> you can look at this primarily as a religious, um, uh, I guess, endeavor mm-hmm. because uh, it, not only is it just magical, but uh, you know the element of uh, of religious deification and all of that. So it was a little easier for them to maintain uh, the, in Haiti to maintain that. And then uh, when they were um, the uprising in Haiti, where they basically uh, the Africans. Uh, like just seized uh, power and ran the French out. Yeah. You know, the French then ran to uh, where they were already uh, in the New World into that Louisiana area mm-hmm. and uh, bringing their slaves with them. They also end up bringing aspects of, of that, the voodoo to uh, the New World. So that's why you find hoodoo uh, in, in all over, but voodoo you find uh, historically coming out of that, uh, that Louisiana-Mississippi area. Uh, and it was more of a, like I say, more of a religious um, endeavor. Whereas uh, hoodoo, yeah, hoodoo is, uh, when we're talking about the East Coast uh, area, this is primarily uh, a Protestant uh, religious backbone, uh, background, rather. Mm-hmm. So um, 
what you find is that there were no saints to project certain spirits upon. So hoodoo became more of a practical, magical system rather than a religious system here uh, in, in this what I call the low country, which is the, the Carolinas and, and the state of Georgia, uh, North Florida, mm-hmm. uh, maybe some parts of uh, South uh, Virginia, coastal Virginia. But uh, that, that area... Um, is uh, when the, when the slaves came in, that there were no, uh, as I said, there were no, no deities and saints that they could use. So they became uh, Protestant Christians, but yet uh, still maintained certain rituals and uh, uh, magical workings. Mm-hmm. Um, that, so it's interesting because in the 1920s, you can find um, in a book called um, uh, Shadows and Drum, which is. Uh, a, uh, some anthropologists and archaeologists did uh, a lot of research of people uh, up and down the uh, East Coast that they identified as the, the Gullah, which were the descendants of the, uh, the slaves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they found that uh, there were many Christian preachers uh, who were also hoodoo practitioners. Wow. So they didn't see it as, you know, one, uh, as a religion, they saw that uh, Christianity and hoodoo could work together, and some uh, some of the uh, uh, things I've read, they identify Jesus Christ as uh, the great root doctor, the great hoodoo doctor. Wow. So, uh, kind of a different way to see things. Yeah, and I in the book I I noticed that uh, so you have hoodoo and then you have the conjure doctor, and right. it's it seems like it's it's like a religion, but it's, it's it's also like a healing practice and mm-hmm. what we know as today as like a witch doctor or something of that sort or even like a, I guess people that are like um, into herbal medicine uh, mm-hmm. and I think that that is really interesting so the next question I have is what's the difference between a conjure doctor and a shaman because I feel like with uh, African roots and then you have your native roots that are here in um, mm-hmm. the States it they're very similar um, I feel like everything the base of everything is nature and they really respect nature versus uh, I, I guess you could say like Christianity it's more of like a con- it's more of a controlled system whereas it's it's all about nature and being in tune with it when it comes to uh, shamanism and also hoodoo and voodoo mm-hmm. well um, I, I kind of um, looked at the uh, the role of the, the root doctor conjure doctor hoodoo doctor whatever title um, is, is used, and what I found is that they fit uh, certain criteria that was laid out by uh, the uh, gentleman who I think even coined the phrase shamanism, uh, a, a scholar named Iliade who has passed away, but he uh, wrote a foundational book in the 1940s about shamanism, about the uh, characteristics mm-hmm. that shamans have, and what I found is when I really researched uh, a lot of the, the what I call the, the genuine uh, root doctors or conjure practitioners in my area, some of them actually fit the role of the shaman. Now, we, again, there's many different definitions of what a shaman 
is. But yeah. if we look at a shaman, someone who is a center uh, point for a community for psychological and uh, spiritual healing, mm-hmm. well, we would put the uh, the root doctor in that. Uh, if we uh, one of the criteria is that they're able to interact with what they perceive as the spirit world, well, that's part of the magic of the the root doctor. Mm-hmm. If um, if you look at the, you know having uh, being able to project uh, psycho- uh, spiritually into other realms, uh, there's evidence for that going on all kinds of different uh, spiritual quests. I mean, yeah, I, when I put that criteria down, I looked, it's like it fits uh, very closely. And to my knowledge, and I, I may be ignorant here, which is always possibility, mm-hmm. uh, I'm like one of the first people that has written about that, that we need to be respecting the, the role of the root doctor as okay. uh, the, the shaman, the, the healer of a community. And if you go back in history and look at the, the Gala, which again were the descendants uh, who were kind of living on their own in the Sea Islands of uh, these uh, African slaves, mm-hmm. uh, the, the root doctor had a very crucial role, even in slave times, even in slave communities. The root doctor is there to, to help and to heal. Mm-hmm. A lot of times the focus is more on, you know, when the, you know, the TVs and movies about the, you know, the black magic, evil kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. the bulk of the work that the, the root doctor, hoodoo doctor is doing is to help people, is to heal people, help them heal from broken hearts, help them uh, gain protection, help them overcome illness. And uh, I feel like their work has uh, either directly or indirectly been marginalized over the last, uh, you know, 200 years, mm-hmm. and I'm just hoping that, you know, uh, maybe anthropologically we can maybe revisit uh, the, the, the hoodoo doctor to see, yeah, they do fit, some of them do fit that role of the shaman, the way that, the, you know, that, like I said, the medicine man, medicine woman, yeah. and more in, in different indigenous cultures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Um even my grandparents and their grandparents, I I remember my grandmother talking about like witch doctors and people mm-hmm. like that, and uh, how important they were. But you know, as generations grow, you you lose all that that rich culture. And I think this book is so important. When mm-hmm. when I I heard you on a podcast and talking about your book I'm like oh my gosh someone actually wrote about this and it's so everyone I I mean I believe that everyone has heard of something that you've mentioned in this book before but it's so secretive like no one really wants to talk about it and I think this book is just is so cool and amazing and um you're bringing so much to light like I, I think the South in general is just this big mystic ball of just so much rich culture down there uh, because as far as like bringing African-Americans or bringing Africans here and then they become Americans, but having them placed down South and bringing such a rich culture that they had to basically hide, it's still there. And they still and they still hide it, even though I'm sure now it's it's not like this. It's not frowned upon. It's just this scary thing that society and the media has 
made people believe that it's just this spooky culture that you shouldn't tamper with because they they play with the dead and you know like it's just this evil thing when really it people that you would never think that would go to these doctors they really go to these doctors and things really do work like you were talking about different uh, situations where was it called they put the root is that the saying when someone yeah. puts like yeah. a hex on someone well yeah you put the root on someone and the root is uh it's called that because um, originally tying in the root doctor with healing, so medicinal healing, you would use roots. But then uh, certain roots they eventually uh, found uh, to be useful when they were doing certain magical spells. So mm-hmm. you know they would, uh, you know, was, uh, as they would say charge the root uh, with magical intention, and then give it to someone to hold. Uh, so that they could, uh, you know, uh, get a certain outcome. But then it got used to where, you know, when you're putting a, a spell on someone, you're putting the root on someone. And generally when you hear somebody's put the root on me, it is usually in the negative. Yeah. Um, they put a curse on me, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It sounds scary when you say, like, someone put the root on on me. That sounds mm-hmm. kind of kind of creepy. I thought this was really interesting when you were discussing the significance of oils and different candles and what mm-hmm. different colors mean at certain times of the day. Could you go into detail about what those mean? Well, sure, but I just also want to be clear that now the interesting thing about uh, hoodoo work, that I, at least that I've discovered, is that there's nothing that's always set in stone. Because uh, the one thing that I, I actually like about uh, in my research learning is that uh, the practitioners oftentimes had flexibility mm-hmm. to devise their own kind of meaning, whereas uh, uh, some magical systems, you know, because uh, in, in magic, essentially, everything is a symbol. It mm-hmm. symbolizes something. Mm-hmm. And in uh, hoodoo, anything, uh, you know, everything is a sign. Everything is, is, is open. But uh, I find there's more common uh, aspects of certain uh, colors. For example, uh, the color blue mm-hmm. is uh, for uh, protection. Uh, there seems to be a uh, belief that came across uh, from Africa that uh, spirits could not uh, travel across water. Wow. And uh, what we find is that uh, use, the use of the color blue in candles is supposed to be protection. Mm-hmm. You'll find uh, a lot of times um, uh, in the uh, in the South, at least it used to be, not so much anymore, uh, that a lot of people would have blue, would paint their uh, front door blue. Mm-hmm. And the blue, it was to, uh, symbolic to keep evil spirits out. That's uh, one, you know, it's kind of a in, in vogue now to have these little blue bottles, little bottle trees out in one's front yard, but the, the real purpose of the bottles, which used to be just you know, blue medicine bottles, mm-hmm. were to capture uh, spirits. The spirit would uh, be intrigued by the blue going to the bottle, and uh, the, the, the thought was it would have trouble getting out, so it was there uh, to protect. Um, so anything with blue uh, signifies water, which is uh, you know cleansing the spirit, mm-hmm. cleansing the person, and cleansing... Uh, you know, the, the evil. As a matter of fact, um, you, you find in, in some uh, 
today some uh, African American uh, churches may still have uh, aspects of, uh, of uh, utilizing blue a lot in the windows in some of their churches. And uh, some of them might not even know why, just kind of a tradition, but originally it may have been to kind of protect from evil spirits. Now, the, the, I'll just do a couple of these for time, but the, the color red uh, can signify, for a lot of people, that's the, the color of love. So if you're doing a, uh, you know, a love potion, if you will, or a love spell, or just you know, uh, a loving feeling, that could uh, be red. But now for some practitioners, I found that it also signifies uh, a connection to fire. Mm-hmm. And fire is uh, something for to become motivated to. Fire uh, burns quickly. So uh, they may incorporate some red into a certain uh, candle with a certain spell to, to uh, calling for action or motivation on the part of the individuals seeking uh, help. White uh, candles oftentimes is a sign of purity, of uh, higher spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, now, uh, green uh, has become, in modern days, uh, kind of tied to uh, money. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you uh, want to do a, a magical spell for money, you set your intention and you light the green candle and you burn the green candle as you, you do your spell for, for the money. Mm-hmm. I remember one uh, root doctor told me, you know, had somebody go out and get a green candle, uh, light it, and then for 10 minutes just uh, hold the candle uh, so you're not getting burned by the wax or anything and, and think about money coming to you. It's so intensely you can feel it all through your body. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the 10 minutes, blow the green candle out and put it under the, uh, the, the person's uh, bed. And then, you know, kind of, you know, then focus on, you know, if money comes into the person's life. Um, the, uh, the black candle uh, is, uh, for a lot of people, signifies, you know, black magic. It can signify death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. It could also signify uh, a, a certain ending. So if you have a uh, relationship that you are, uh, you know, wanting to end, you could use the black candle. Or if, you know, you're wanting ill will against someone, you use the black candle. Wow. So, I mean, there's m- many, many different colors, but I find the basic uh, colors, uh, candle colors are, are what uh, used more often. Now, uh, about the oils, the oils, um, it, it, it kind of varies from practitioner to practitioner a lot of times. Mm-hmm. But uh, they, they ch- tend to use uh, oil, the anointing with the oil, uh, usually to activate the, uh, the sensory, um, uh, the, the sense of smell. So if somebody comes in and you're, you're activating the sense of smell, the visual, the auditory, the kinesthetic, all the person's senses, the, uh, the, pract- the hoodoo practitioner believes that the, we'll call them the client who came for help may be more open uh, to the spiritual change if all their senses are fully open and activated. Wow, that's really interesting. Have you ever uh, tried any of these methods, like the candle methods before, or know anyone that that has? Uh, I, I, I know, uh, you know several people who have in my in my research. I I, I have not. Uh, I'm not really, uh, I don't really consider myself a hoodoo practitioner, more of a, uh, an ethno- ethnography, uh, anthropology researcher, these 
kind of methods, but uh, talking with people, many people uh, really get into um, to doing that with with the candles. Now, my personal belief is anytime that you're doing something that's very random mm-hmm. and uh, absurd, and I don't mean absurd as in being ridiculous. I mean it's just so out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. You're you're automatically interrupting uh, a pattern. You know, nature yeah. works in patterns. Mm-hmm. It continues to create in the same pattern until something random or absurd gets introduced, and then we have deviations. Mm-hmm. So for me, a lot of the hoodoo spells, the magic was just that it's interrupting uh, the patterns mm-hmm. that people are exhibiting. So if you tell someone to... Uh, you know, if they're depressed over, you know, a certain situation that they have to get up at, you know, one o'clock in the morning, every morning, and carry a candle around their house ten times, mm-hmm. and then, you know, blow out the candle and to put it in a special place, and they do it for a week, mm-hmm. um, that's so strange and, 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 like I say, absurd that, you know, it, it can't help but interrupt some aspect of that person's uh, pattern of depression that they're in. Now, whether yeah. it's good or bad, it, you know, it's hard to hard to say. But yeah. um, you know, that, so I, I think those things are very valuable. Yeah, it's uh, it's almost like you just need to be aware because everything is energy. So if you go out of out of the norm of what you usually do, it's gonna right. like cause an effect, basically. That's yeah. That that makes a lot of sense. I'm glad you. I'm glad we are talking about this, just in case any listeners want to try any of this to just be aware of um. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going out of the norm. I remember speaking to someone. I want. I wanted to have an episode on different superstitions throughout the world, because you know, so mm-hmm. many different cultures. And I remember when I was little, right. my my grandparents had so many my grandmother was so superstitious she threw the saw behind her back you couldn't sweep her feet things like that but we don't know where that originated from but um Mm -hmm. all that to say is there are things in culture here in american culture that people do that are very superstitious or little like nursery rhymes like what's the one like don't don't step on the crack or you'll break your mother's back or right. <laughs> things like yeah. that. So it's 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 in our everyday life. People just don't connect the two. Right. This was also really interesting because I heard about this with Haitian culture. The, it's called, am I pronouncing this right? Plate eye? The a plate eye? Plate eye, yes. Um, yeah. Could you describe what that is? And it's very interesting. Yeah. Well, um, at least down down here in the, the Carolinas, a flat eye is a or is supposed to be a creation of a uh, of a magical practitioner, a hoodoo practitioner, to where it's like a magical being that um, the it's kind of a creature that the hoodoo doctor. Uh, manifest to carry out his or her bidding. Mm-hmm. It is uh, similar to, in some magical system, something called a servitor, which is basically serving 
the magician, you know. So mm-hmm. if I want something done, I uh, manifest this type of being mm-hmm. and this creature, and then the creature will go and do certain things. Um, and uh, there's many stories uh, and a lot of folklore uh, from the African-American culture. about. And it's usually at night where, you know, somebody's out at night and then, you know, sees the... This, this creature called the plaid eye who's, who's out to get them, and you know they, they barely, you know, get away, and then they, they will blame one of the local uh, hoodoo doctors for the creation of that. Uh, sometimes the, uh, the the hoodoo root doctor will, um, you know, threaten people. You know, I'll send the plaid eye after you if you don't do right. Uh, we we also have to remember that uh, sometimes the the root doctor was the center of uh, control, social control. Mm-hmm. Within the, uh, the the their community, so you know, somebody's you know get, getting out of line, causing problems in the community, and the root doctor goes, "You better shape up. I'll put a root on you, or you know, I'll send the plaid eye." Right. So, uh, but but this is uh, you'll find this in most every culture, though. I mean, in uh, in uh, Jewish cultures, they have the thing I think called the golem, which is uh, uh, you know made of uh, clay. Uh, you know, it's like the a uh, being that comes and does the bidding of some, um, you know, kind of Jewish magician. Uh, you you find it in other uh, in native uh, cultures. Different native cultures have, uh, you know, these kind of uh, shape shifting creations of the sorcerer that goes and does things. So it's, you know, there's some definitely common bread. Mm-hmm. It's just the the culture kind of dictates how those, you know, appear. Yeah. So are they, they're creatures, can they appear as humans, or is it more of like a, like a monster type of creature? Well, most of the things I found with Plant Eye uh, was it's just kind of more of a, of a, a kind of a monster creature, although the, uh, the definitions, I mean, the uh, descriptions rather change between person who's, uh, who's defined, and sometimes in some of the stories they'll just refer to it as the Plant Eye, and it's... Mm-hmm left open to exactly, uh, you know, what it looks like. Mm-hmm. That's really Which is, cool. Uh, yeah, it's actually kind of better if you're telling a story, uh, because if you don't know what it, exactly what it looks like, your mind creates something, which right. may be more frightening than what's uh, being told. So. Yes, like a, like a, like a folktale, like um, the boogeyman or something. Everyone has their own yeah. definition of what the boogeyman looks like. Uh, right, right. When I had read that in the book, I thought that it was when when you mm-hmm. were talking about um, graveyard dirt and things like that. I'm like, oh my gosh, I remember hearing about something similar in Hades. So I guess we can get into that part because that was like so interesting. Uh, should we talk about mm-hmm. the fetish bag, the mojo bag? But you called it something else before right. that. It was like some type of bag. Well, a, a, a lot of times uh, we would, uh, would just even the, the mojo bag and the fetish bag were, were just simply called the root. Okay, yeah, the root. Uh, mm-hmm. so, yeah, when somebody uh, had a, you know, what they say, oh, I got my mojo working and some of the old uh, blues songs are referring to a magical, um, a magical uh, item or a bag filled with certain uh, roots or reliefs or all kinds of uh, things that uh, the uh, root doctor uh, charged up uh, with magical intention for protection or to 
to obtain, you know, some outcome that the uh, that the client who came to the root doctor was seeking. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when somebody has a, a little packet uh, uh, that they're carrying around the, the root doctor, and we usually call that they have the root. Mm-hmm. Now, the term fetish uh, it actually comes from the Portuguese uh, who, who were uh, over, had taken over some parts of uh, West Central Africa, and they would refer to there's a, what we call magical amulets and things like that as a fetish. Mm-hmm. Um, it has nothing to do with like the clinical term of fetish, meaning you know, a sexual disorder or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, then when it, uh, it got to really uh, to more the Louisiana uh, voodoo, you start hearing more about mojo bags, and then it kind of the term mojo got uh, into uh, popular culture uh, language. Uh, the uh, sometimes we say uh, I don't have much mojo today. Yeah, uh, that's uh, yeah. yeah. That could be that energetic quality. You know, I just didn't have any mojo today. So, but it's the same thing here in the uh, Carolinas and Georgia of um, at the roots of somebody's uh, say a mojo bag. We took where they have the root bag, or sometimes they refer to it as a bodyguard. Mm. If it was uh, a root for protection, so uh, they would say, you know, I got my bodyguard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you think of the when when I read that bodyguard in your book, I said that's such a perfect name for that. I wonder if if that's where it like originated from. When you think of bodyguard, that's like the ultimate meaning of what a mm-hmm. actual mm-hmm. bodyguard because literally it's like guarding your body. Um, right. So, what is the significance of the mojo bags and graveyards. Well, uh, what the, with with graveyards, they would um, uh, go for a lot of times um, the dirt that was over the grave of a specific person, because there is the belief that that dirt may be charged with certain qualities of that person. So, an example would be uh, a very uh, wealthy person passes away, and he or she was very good with money, very good with making money and investing money, and if you wanted to have some of those qualities, you would at night, because I uh, can't do it during the day, mm-hmm. uh, sneak over to the grave, the fresh grave, and get a scooping of the grave or dirt, and then put it into either a bag or a container, and you either carry the bag with you, or you'd have a container in a, in a certain private place in your home, maybe in a little ritual place where you could, you know, do your magical spells or, or whatever, mm-hmm. and it was supposed to contain the uh, the power that you uh, equated with that person. Now, if somebody, let's say, passes away and they were very skilled at uh, uh, being powerful, like politically powerful, so uh, a, a senator or someone like that or someone in the community that was very good at having power, mm-hmm. uh, you would try to sneak and grab some... Uh, some of the uh, fresh graveyard dirt. Now, they call that, down here, they call it goofer. That's G-O-O-F-E-R, dust. Mm-hmm. So graveyard dirt uh, is called, at least here in the, the uh, low country, which is, uh, you have to mention the Carolinas, Georgia, and parts of Florida. Mm-hmm. I call it goofer dust. And goofer, uh, some researchers think it's off the term kufa, which is an African, I'm not sure where specifically, but it's an African mm-hmm. term meaning ghost mm-hmm. or spirit. 
So it's kind of like spirit dirt or spirit dust. And so they're hoping to take the essence of that spirit uh, from the graveyard to use, uh, you know, to uh, create more power or achieve another outcome. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's amazing. And you didn't talk about it in the book, but I'm pretty sure you you know about ley lines and... um, I didn't put this in the questions because it just, I just thought about it when you're talking about graveyards. Do you, what do you think the significance is with ley lines and graveyards? Well, I, I'm afraid I, I don't have much of an, an opinion on that. I have heard of ley lines and ley lines where a lot of people believe there's a certain uh, electromagnetic lines that be uh, naturally manifested by the, the earth and certain key places tend to be located on those lines, but I'm, I'm not really uh, have an opinion or have I seen too much uh, research on it with, with graveyards. If somebody's listening is into that, that might make an excellent uh, research paper or a book. Yeah, I, I've seen one person I um, want to have on a show, they actually researched, but they are on so many under so many uh, cemeteries and churches and mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. with you uh, researching like the the root bags and the graveyard the or the mm-hmm. spirit dust it just I'm sure somewhere along the lines that all ties in to something um, supernatural and spiritual and I think that uh the goof it's goofer or gopher dust goofer goofer dust that's so interesting and why is it that you can only collect it at night is it just because you don't want to get caught during the day or if it's some is it some type of significance with it being at night or a certain time of the night well it's it's yes to both that uh you know definitely going in and taking Digging somebody's around somebody's grave is a good way to get locked up. Yeah, you know. And, uh, but then the second uh, thing too is, uh, you know, we if we are believe the spirits, you know, or, or you know, the person's spirit, spirit energies, you know, may be more potent at night. You know, when the uh, the spirits walk, so it may be a combination of both of those. Oh wow, that makes a lot of just looking at the time I don't want to keep you for too much longer but um what else can we talk about we talked about the mojo bags the graveyards uh what about spirit interactions you you listed I think it was five different spirit interactions uh could you discuss that well with uh with root doctors sometimes they're they you know claim to uh to interact with the spirit world, and that interaction may be to where in their, uh, in their uh, magical rituals, they, they believe they're having contact from the, the uh, spirit world. It may be that they uh, are able to sense things more like, uh, we would say, somebody who is a uh, clairvoyant mm-hmm. or, a, or a medium. Mm-hmm. Now, there aren't a whole lot of uh, public psychic mediums and uh, and comparatively in uh, in the African-American community because there's a lot of suspicion about, you know, talking with the dead and all that. However, 
again, privately, uh, there, there seems to be uh, quite a, a bit of, of that. So, yeah. uh, you know, doing certain uh, group rituals too, dances, uh, you know, uh, what I call static dancing, to where you're dancing, to where you kind of uh, transcend your present consciousness to hopefully merge with the consciousness of something greater wow. and embodying, you know, certain spirits that, that may be around. I mean, that's that's pretty uh, pretty prevalent in, uh, in some of the practices, which, again, we, we can trace back to, uh, to Africa mm-hmm. and those kind of things. But sometimes the it would be like, well, you know, the, the, you know, the spirits are talking to me. They can be talking directly or it could be through a sign. So... If a root doctor is talking to someone and right in the middle of a of their uh, spell or ritual, you know, a bird flies up near the window. They may take that as a sign that the spirits are wanting something else, or mm-hmm. you know, you know, we're on the right track, whatever mm-hmm. that would be. So, but uh, for for a lot of them, it's just like every everything's a sign. You know, it's just uh, you know, you walk out the door to go to work, whatever's happening may be a sign. And uh, that, that's how they feel. That that's very similar to me for a lot of the Native American uh, spiritual beliefs. Is that you know nature will continue to to let you know what uh, it uh, it needs or what it wants from you. Right. Yeah. It it seems like they that's like the basically the root of everything is listening to nature and being in tune with nature. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a, the, yeah, the the sigil. Yeah. Essential is a is a symbol or a, a special sign that uh, is uh, created by uh, not just uh, you know, root doctors and hoodoo mm-hmm. people, but uh, most most all magical systems have a certain uh, symbol. I know a lot of the Western occult tradition they refer to them as sigils. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a term that, that that I use since most people are more familiar with that. But uh, so, for example. Uh, if you if you have a root doctor who's uh, who wants to uh, create a certain symbol to charge it with his or her intention to make something happen, they may think of uh, the person or the the situation, and then uh, let their you know their mind uh, flow so that they're influenced by the spirit world, and then they'll just draw uh, a symbol which you know to us doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. But uh, to them, may have certain power or, or represent some kind of magical working. So, uh, in, in you know, one house I saw that the, uh, the root doctor all over the back door on the inside of the house were all these. He, he painted all these different magical symbols, these sigils all over, and they could be for protection. They could be for you know some kind of goal that they're they're wanting to obtain. But it's it, and only they know what it is, and, and part of that is because if they're the only ones who know what the symbol is, then the spell uh, has a greater chance of not being interfered with by uh, someone else's wow. uh, desire. That makes so much sense, yeah, because I was thinking, like, oh, is, does it mean, like, uh, like in Christianity, like, our, ours would be, like, a cross or something like that, but we all know what a cross is for. Uh, right. Well, yeah. Well, I think you're exactly right because I mean, if you if you see the cross, I mean, it obviously is a symbol and it mm-hmm. has a certain significance to people. Now, mm-hmm. people who are not religious, they just recognize, oh, that's a symbol of uh, Christianity. For others, oh, that's the sign of hope, or that's a sign of forgiveness, or that's a sign of salvation. 
all of that, it's it's just, like I say, everything is a symbol. Mm-hmm. So, you know, our culture, our society sometimes uh, dictates what we perceive from a certain symbol. I mean, you go back in time, you put a little loop on top of the, the cross, uh, you, now you have the Egyptian ox that had its symbol, very yeah. similar. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and that had different uh, variations there. So, I mean, uh, again, it can be anything. Now, with, with the magicians and the hoodoo folks, you want to create a symbol that's unique to you mm-hmm. and not something that other people... So if you just put a whole bunch of crosses on your back door, I mean, that might be fine if you believe it's there for, you know, make you feel better or for, you know, protection against evil. But if you're actually making a spell, it needs to be a symbol that has some power and that moves you at the unconscious level. Mm-hmm. Whereas, uh, you know, you may become so used to seeing your cross, it doesn't have the, the, the kind of uh, power that some kind of strange, archaic-looking symbol might. Right. And then I wanted to discuss the difference between a conjure woman versus a conjure man. Well, essentially, they're, they're, they're more similar than, than different. Um, mm-hmm. Usually, you hear more about, particularly in movies and TV, when it's a... The, the voodoo doctor or the, the hoodoo man, hoodoo uh, you know, practitioner, it, it usually tends to be presented as male, but there's plenty of evidence that there are a lot of uh, hoodoo uh, doctors, root doctors, who are female. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a lot of times uh, this uh, big distinction we found is that uh, the, the males tend to focus more and, and I'm overgeneralizing, I realize that, uh, but tend to focus more on uh, financial compensation from, mm-hmm. for their work. Mm-hmm. And uh, women, women generally, not always, I'm talking historically, mm-hmm. uh, were uh, more doing this just for the community, for the family, mm-hmm. um, that kind of thing. It's kind of the archetype of the, the mother. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. you know, so it's, it's a... You know, the mother of the community. Like very uh, might, right, exactly. And that might be the the, the hoodoo uh, doctor. It might be a female. Or you could have a male hoodoo doctor and a female hoodoo doctor. Maybe the female you go to because she's more, uh, when it comes to, to childbirth, uh, uh, less pain in childbirth and mm-hmm. healing. You may go to the male hoodoo doctor who's about, if you want to make more money or, or you have a grudge against somebody. Mm. So, but... Uh, they are essentially, I mean, using the same processes, it's just, uh, it really kind of depends not just on the individual, but also, you know, what's happening within the individual community. Yeah, that's, that's so interesting. I, when I picture a hoodoo doctor or a witch doctor or something like that, I've always pictured it as a woman, I guess, because mm-hmm. growing up and, you know, watching different movies, or documentaries, it was always a woman, or whereas, like a shaman, I've always pictured mm-hmm. as a man, so I guess it's just this cultural difference, and yeah, yeah. yeah. so that's, that's really cool. In the book, you mention many people, but one character, a person that stood out to me, was Dr. Bazard. Could you go into detail who he was and his story? Yeah. So Dr. Bonsard was uh, probably the uh, most famous root doctor uh, off the East Coast. 
Mm -hmm. uh, as a matter of fact, at that time that he was alive, which we're talking about, I think he passed away in the, uh, the 19, late 1940s. Mm -hmm. By the time he was alive, he his popularity rivaled Marie Laveau, who is known as the Voodoo Queen in New Orleans. Wow, uh, that is a lot. He, yeah, he he would have people who would send him letters from literally all over the country, and he would uh, he was uh, very gregarious. He uh, would uh, specialize on trying to help uh, African American men get out of going to jail. So if they were uh, arrested for something and they were in the courtroom, he would show up in the courtroom if his family, if he was paid by the family. And he would uh, do what he referred to as chewing the root. So he would take a magical root and chew on it and then do these kind of silent uh, spells that were, were was designed to sway uh, the court uh, decision to hopefully let the, um, the African-American uh, man who had been arrested uh, basically to get off or mm -hmm. to be released. Mm -hmm. And uh, people would come from all kinds of things. And uh, he has kind of a, among the the powers that be at the time, he had a real negative uh, reputation. At the same time, he did a lot of good for people. I know he built at least two, he paid for out of his own pocket and built at least two churches wow. on uh, St. Helena Island, which is uh, right off the coast of, uh, around the edge of uh, Beaufort, uh, South Carolina. Mm -hmm. And uh, he got into a little battle, magical battle, if you will, with uh, the sheriff at the time named uh, Ed McTeer. Mm -hmm. Now, what's really fascinating about Ed McTeer is he was also a root doctor. He was, they call him the white witch doctor. Yeah, I and he, that. Uh, that was so, that's so trippy. <laughs> Yeah, he, he uh, grew up around the Gullah culture, mm -hmm. and he claimed to have always had uh, ESP and, and a lot of things like that from being very young, mm -hmm. and he got into all the hoodoo and learned all about it, and uh, he was able to uh, use some of that to, uh, you know, basically in his work, which, you know, so there's some debate whether or not he was using it very calculated because, you know, the, the people that he sometimes had to deal with were believers, so if he could buy into, uh, get them to buy in that he had that kind of power, they were less resistant. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, it was known that uh, when he needed to pick somebody up, he would just send word through the community, tell, uh, tell Mr. Jones he needs to come in and see me or I'm going to have to put a root out. And then the next day, Mr. Jones would show up because, you know, he wouldn't want that. Wow. So, uh, McTeer and Dr. Buzzard got into a magical battle where, uh, you know, he was, uh, McTeer was a little tired of uh, Buzzard trying to, you know, get in the way of his police work, and uh, and uh, Buzzard was, you know, trying to protect people, or you know, sometimes maybe not even knowing if they're guilty, you know, wanting to make a buck and those kind of things. It's hard yeah. to say, you know, every case. Mm -hmm. But uh, eventually they, um, they got to the end of the Buzzard's son, was uh, killed in a car wreck, and Dr. Buzzard kind of thought that McTeer's magic had had an impact. So he uh, showed up at the sheriff's office and told uh, McTeer, you know, you win, I'm done. And uh, for a while, you didn't hear anything about Dr. Buzzard, although he did come back and continue to, to work. Mm -hmm. Interesting end of the story is that McTeer and Dr. Buzzard actually became uh, somewhat friendly and uh, I think learned from each other in the realm of hoodoo. So it's wow. a really uh, kind of amazing uh, story, which is can be very validated, not just by uh, 
you know, the talk of the town, but uh, McCure's relatives, and he wrote two books, uh, and one of them specifically was about his uh, his work as a uh, as a hoodoo practitioner. Wow! And did you, I, in the book, it mentioned that you wanted to speak to a relative of, I'm not sure if it was the doctor or the sheriff, but they didn't want to talk because right. it was like this um, ongoing thing where whoever spoke about it you know met like an ultimate death or something right. like that yeah dr buzzard uh, uh his um his grandson i think uh who is uh still practicing wow. uh, island st helena island um i had a, a colleague of mine who uh knew him very well and actually i think her uncle married into the family and uh, I said, well, could you give me an introduction? Because I don't feel like, you know, just showing up on somebody's doorstep. And, you know, here I am going into the Gullah culture and another white guy trying to find out information about stuff and mm-hmm. just to have a little little respect to have yeah. a introduction. And so she went and talked to him. And uh, she came back. She says, respectfully, he said, he, if, if you want to have some root work done, you have to do that. But talking about it, he, he's not interested in he said, it's, it's no disrespect toward me. It's just that when Sheriff Mateer, uh wrote his book about a year later, he died. And so several of the hoodoo practitioners said, well, you see, you give too much out, too many secrets out. Mm. Bad things happen to you. Wow. Now, to be fair, Doctor, uh, to be fair, Sheriff Mateer was really old. So I don't, I don't know if that really had anything to, to, do, to with do with that. Yeah, but yet in in his mind, it, it's dangerous to talk about too much about those kind of things. I think he was worried that maybe I would, you know, ask too much and mm-hmm. maybe he'd say too much. And mm-hmm. So unfortunately, I, I never really got to do a full uh, kind of interview with him. Wow, that's so cool that you know his lineage, it's his kids and grandkids are still practicing. That's really interesting. Yeah. Okay, I think we pretty much wrapped up the interview. Thank you so much. I like to close out the interview with uh, why is this book important to you and why is this so important for humanity today? Like why is hoodoo and and just learning about um, just the, the culture of, uh, hoodoo and shamanism and everything about it. Yeah. Well, for me, uh, what's what's the takeaway and what's important to me about you know, the book I've written, Low Country Shamanism, and some of the research I've done is that I, I wanted to number one show that you know there isn't a live you know mystical spiritual tradition mm-hmm. uh, you know essentially in our own backyard. We tend to be um, you know, hypnotized by something exotic like from another country and, and those kind of different culture. But in our own backyard, uh, we have uh, a lot of really amazing and, and, and puzzling things, mysterious things that go on. Yeah. Uh, but I also wanted to, to show that this is not something that's uh, just only superstition. I, I wanted to see that this, that this means a lot to to quite a few people and to honor 
those people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that so much of their traditions were, I mean, to be blunt, were just taken away from them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so much of, you know, the hoodoo and things like that had been ridiculed uh, by outside observers without any understanding of social, cultural context. Mm-hmm. So, uh, if, if anything, if someone reads my book, uh, I hope that they come away not only learning a little bit about the, the culture, but also uh, seeing that, that it's important for us to honor you know, where, uh, the, the coping mechanisms and things that our ancestors uh, used to, to get through some pretty horrific uh, situations and their ability to adapt and flow with sometimes overwhelming uh, events, uh, okay. if that can be traced to the to the, you know, the hoodoo and everything like that, I think we, we need to maybe treat that with uh, a little more respect. I actually had a, someone tell me privately that, you know, found out that their grandparent had been doing those kind of things, and I always thought it was silly, but then after reading kind of the book and understanding it, saw that as, you know, even though it might not be something that he's into, he can appreciate Mm-hmm. Her perspective, yeah. and and to to have a have a sense of understanding. And I, you know, I just think that's it. If, if if people out there are trying their best to heal and grow as human beings, sometimes we don't always have to agree on the, the type of vehicle that someone chooses mm-hmm. to grow. But uh, you know, hopefully we can pull it a little bit out of the shadows, and and hopefully uh, you know, kind of understand each other a little better exactly well said i i think this book is just it's remarkable it's everything that it for this podcast like what i what i talk about it when i read this book i'm like yes this is exactly everything that i think that people have questions on as far as like voodoo and hoodoo and and just different different type of doctors, practitioners. It's just so, so much information that is so secretive that I think that needs to be brought to light. And people need to know about these things because we actually deal with them in our everyday life, whether we realize it or not. And you are bringing to light uh, some really amazing topics. and, And I think it's, just full of culture it's so rich and full of culture that i think we know nothing about and at the same time at the same time we we know about subconsciously we just don't we no one talks about it um and also uh would you like to talk about any present projects that you have coming up where the listeners can find more of your books in your website. Sure. Uh, easiest way to to find uh, my books, uh, the, the bulk of my writings in the field of uh, psychotherapy, mm-hmm. but I do have some books on, on topics similar to this. So it's basically my website is www.drpaulwesley.com, and that's D-R-T-A-U-L-L-E-S-L-I-E. Dot com and there's a, a link to the books and certainly if you're on like Amazon Barnes and Noble mm-hmm. those just put in Paul initial J Leslie mm-hmm. and uh, you know I'll, my stuff will come up um, always new projects going on uh, never know what direction uh, they'll go so it's always a kind of a enjoyable to be in the the creative momentum yes 
That's amazing. I thank you so much for being a guest on the show. And uh, this episode, it'll take me about a week or two to edit. Like all the back end of us talking, I'll edit all of that out so it'll be super clean. Sure. Um, and I hope to have you on the show again uh, for another one of your amazing books. And until next time, thank you so much. And I, oh, thank you. Oh, and if you have anything, like any classes or anything coming up that you want to send me, I will plug it into the social media around the same time that this airs so that the listeners can check you out that way too. Okay, well I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I appreciate it and being an honor to have been asked. Thank you so much, Paul. Have a great Sunday and I will be contacting you soon. <laughs> okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Please send all listener stories to info at bdumpodcast.com.